Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter accounts at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include Irish basketball international and current father Matthews coach, Niamh Dwyer, who spoke to me about her stellar playing career. It's a massive weekend for Cork Camogie, so I caught up with Cork Minor Camogie manager Jerry Wallace as his young squad begin their Tesco All-Ireland Camogie Minor A Championship campaign away to Galway. The Republic of Ireland Under-16 International Girls team travelled to Portugal for two friendlies recently. I interviewed Irish manager Tom Elms and asked about the three Cork City players involved. I also have all the reaction from last weekend's current account.ie All-Ireland LGFA Senior Club Final between Moran Abbey and Galway's Kilcairn Clonburn. Plus, we have our two new weekly Aussie Rules Women's and Munster Women's Rugby slots. AFLW expert and coach Mike Curran joins us to talk about a stellar week for Irish players in the AFLW. And Munster Women's Rugby's Wendy Keenan is with us to talk about a hectic seven days on the local and international women's rugby scene. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Neil Dwyer is one of the best-known names in Irish basketball. I sat down with the international player and Father Matthews coach to look back over a magnificent career that is far from finished. Now, it is a real thrill to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Irish former Irish international basketball player Niamh Dwyer and current coach of Father Matthews in the National Basketball League. Niamh, you're very, very welcome to the bench. How are you? I'm great. Thanks a million for having me. Delighted to be chatting with you today and always great to promote sport and, uh, and basketball. Yes, you've been a long, a long, long time ambassador. I'm not trying to age you there now, but a long time yeah, ambassador. Yeah, okay. <laughs> as both a player, I guess is what I'm saying, and as a coach. Before we talk about the coaching, can I just ask you, you're coming off a very important win in the in the uh, Women's National Basketball League over St. Mary's Castle Island. You beat them 84-79 after overtime. Not an easy game for you, and you had to come from behind. Yeah, look, um, we've struggled a little bit with our performance for the first half of the season. Um, we had a lot of COVID cases over Christmas, so a lot of disruption, as many teams have, you know. Um, it's been one of those strange seasons because of it. And, you know, we didn't start well against Castle Island. They went up 22 on us and fully deserved their lead, if I'm going to be honest. They showed great heart, great energy, and we didn't match it. Um, and we just left ourselves a bit of a hole to dig out of. I think the most important thing we took from the game is the heart to come back because if we had lost that game, it would have been very difficult to pick the spirits up going into the, the games we've coming up. So, for instance, we've Brunel in, in two weeks' time, which would be a very difficult game. So, thankfully, you know, we got our, our act together. Um, we've something to build on and just to kind of focus one game at a time and improve our performances and hopefully um, help us turn around the season. Indeed, and it's great to see that turnaround because, um, I mean, being a coach, and this is the thing I wanted to talk to you most about, Niamh, um there are not enough female coaches in any sport, including basketball. Why do you think that is? Or is it just because it's been so male-dominated for too long? And do you hope like the likes of yourself and other former internationals will take up the coaching role and be those kind of pioneers for other women in basketball in the years ahead? Yeah, I, th- I think, well, a lot of it, like, it's going to be a, a development process. It's going to be a transition. Like, the focus on women's sport in the last 10 years has really grown with social media and internet. But before that, like even for myself growing up, there was very little women's sport on TV and there was very, very little coverage in, in media. You know, at the time, again, showing my age, the long, long, it was like newspapers and TV, basically, radio was it. But thanks to the internet, like there's just so much more visibility now and there's more avenues and more focused on coaching and things like that for women. But all of that takes time. You know, the visibility, um, you know, like you need to see like, you know, role models as such. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's great that women are getting more coverage, just like even you speaking with me today. Um, but it's going to take time. And the important thing is that we still, you know, shed a light on it, keep voicing our opinions and basically showing young girls and women that there are roots in sports and there is, you know, opportunities if they keep working hard. And, and the more we see it happening, the easier it becomes then. So, you know, we just got to keep going now and build on it when we have a bit of momentum. Indeed, a very well said there. And there is a lot of momentum behind not just Cork basketball, but women's basketball in general, which we're seeing ourselves here on the Big Red Bench, and we're only too delighted to get behind it. In researching for this interview, normally when I research a basketball player, there's one or two things in their past or places that they've played that kind of come to light. But with you, Niamh, you've played in America. You played in Illinois in college. You played for four years uh, for in, at NCAA level uh, for Monmouth College in New Jersey. You played in Lithuania. You played in Latvia. 
you went to London side Barking Abbey for a season in London, back to Dan Meyer and now with Father Matthews. So the obvious question here is, <laughs> you obviously love this game. This is your game. But what are the kind of things you've taken from a lifetime of playing in different locations at different levels that are the kind of things that can help you know that, are, that you realise now are helping you as a coach? Well, for me, like I said, I love the sport, but you've seen how much I've got from it. Like the people I've met, the places I've been, the, the lifetime friendships from all around the world. Like I've been so fortunate. So the thing I take with it is like, okay, the, the big money in women's sports is not there, but there are other opportunities for people. I got an education in the States, like you said there. I got to live in four or five different countries over 10 years. Like, So there's other opportunities for women to see. And we just spoke about how it's really important to be a visible and for like, you know, I'm not the only player that's done that. There's other players like Michelle Fahey have done it, Kate Marr, Susan Moran. You know, I could go on and on. But there are opportunities in sports for women. And as I go into the coaching, I think I want to take that with me. And I want to say to young players, like, take the opportunities. I encourage any player who wants to go overseas, try it. You know, there's always going to be people who are naysayers. Don't try it, don't do it. You know, you're not good enough. Everyone gets that. I got that myself. But there's opportunities there. Like you work hard, you keep your head down, you know, an opportunity comes up and hopefully, you, you know, you, you know, you need a bit of luck as well, like that you get the right opportunity at the right time. And that's what I want to say to young girls, like get out there, put yourself out there. There's, there's fantastic experiences to be had in sport. As we just spoke about, there's more visibility coming up, more opportunities, even more like, you know, financial and things that, you know, the men, men's sports have enjoyed for so long. If you look at, the Irish national women's team, the soccer team, have now got equal play with the men in, in 2020, I think, wasn't it? Right. So there are opportunities coming up for young for young women. But the most important message I have is just love what you're doing. Because if you enjoy something, you inevitably will do it well because you just love it. And as I said, keep working and take the opportunities when they come up. And that's kind of the message I, I'd like to get out there. Good advice. Young, young Very... girls coming through. Yeah, and very, very good advice and sensible advice and fair play to you for saying that. I mean, we haven't time to go over your international playing career, um, but what I did want to touch upon was the fact that you played alongside your sister, Grania, um, at international level, and both of you represented your country with great distinction down through the years. Can I ask you what that was like? I mean, obviously having a sibling alongside you, there's pros and cons. I've spoken to sisters in Gaelic football. I've spoken to sisters who play in, 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 in Camogie. Um, you're obviously sisters. You obviously love each other. We're not suggesting that isn't the case. But when you get on a basketball court, do you change as sisters? And or do you just take treat each other as, or did you treat each other as just any other player? Well, I think, no, no. We, uh, we were, well, given we're family members, we both have a very, very, very competitive streak. And when we were going at each other in training, there was definitely a bit more of an edge <laughs> to it. Um, but as myself and God always say, like, God, we could get into rip and fights on the court against each other. And that's that's just the truth. We've, we just pushed each other constantly. Like, um, but that gives us our competitive edge. And, you know, we might be a little ticked off with each other after a good, hard battle, you know, at practice. But that doesn't mean the next day I can't pick her up and, you know, let it go. Like, you know what I mean? And... I think that's the kind of good thing about a relationship. We kind of know each other well enough to give a wide berth when we need to, but it wouldn't affect our relationship off the court. We understand our competitive edge. You know, we're well able to voice our opinions to each other. And then, like, you know, we're still family at the end of the day. And, you know, that kind of relationship isn't going to be damaged by, you know, a little bit of competitiveness, which we both revel in, to be honest. Like, you know, kind of way. So, um, you know, it would be kind of hypocritical of one of us to turn around and, and use it against the other because we're both... Um, a little bit of a carbon copy that way in our competitiveness. But um, as I said, the international to the years, like it's always been great to have a family member there and, and the support from our family has always been amazing. Like, you know, we always had a, our mom and our dad, God rest him, like he was so proud of us on the court and, and our sister who isn't really into sports herself but would come and watch all the big games with us and check in with us and still is and still does, like, you know, so having family around and that support system for any player, no matter what level they play at, is always massive um, to help people achieve in sport. And I've been lucky that I've had that on and off the court and in that unique situation, and I'm very grateful for it. And I think Ireland has been even luckier to have not just one competitive Dwyer, but two competitive Dwyers out on the pitch tearing strips <laughs> off each other for the benefit of their country. Um, 
I was just going to finish up by asking you, yourself and, and Grania would have represented Ireland it's seven years ago now, believe it or not, in Baku in the inter, in the yeah. European Games. But it's And something I wanted to ask you about, which is 3 by 3 international basketball. And the reason I want to ask you about it, Niamh, is that you have since gone on to coach the under the under eighteen uh, girls national team oh, at, at this level. God, you've really done your research. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the correlation yeah. between you obviously loved three by three, which sounds. I mean, I'm getting tired thinking about it, but it sounds like really intense, short, fast basketball. If it's just three by three, but what was it like to play and represent your country? And what has the transition been like to coach? Oh, look, I love three by three. I suppose in 2015. You know, we'd been playing a long time. There'd been no international games at a senior level. And then we got the opportunity, um, which was a new sport at the time, to go to the Euros and then from the Euros, like, qualify out of it for the, the first ever European Olympic game. But myself and God, like, it's a very fast game. Like you said, it's, it's more physical than the, the, the regular 5v5. So just given what I just told you about the competitive nature, the mm. two of us took, took to it like ducks to water. We just, I just, I love the intensity of it. I love the physical nature of it. I love the, you have to be a basketball player. So I suppose when you, to give you a bit of context, when you play 5v5, there's set plays, you know, you have pressure zones and all that. There's none of that. There is, there is plays, but they're all quick hitters. And like, you've only a 12 second shot clock. And then straight away you're on D defense from an offense like you just can't switch off with the 3v3 it's so exciting to watch the men's and women's are usually played back to back like you know there'll be a men's game then a women's then a men's then a women's are you know there could be two men's games then two women but they're all played in the same venue in the same week so there's you know you're, you're getting to interact with other international teams and players you're getting to see their styles and it's just like you said it's, it's coming from street ball so we were fortunate enough, like we we're playing in Baku in 30 degree weather, which didn't really suit the Irish girls, but you know what I mean? But we also played in Romania on the street at a big plaza. We played in, we went to Poitiers um, another year um, and played in, that's in France, in one of the, you know, those plazas in Europe. Yeah. So like you'd have people in the stands and then you'd just have like people walking by on the regular day and just stop to look at the game. So it's just the whole atmosphere about it and the style of play, I just love. And then when, um, I was asked to take the 3v3 that year just before COVID actually, yeah. Um, I said, no problem. Yeah, it's relatively new. There wasn't many coaches that would have a background in it. So I actually really enjoyed coaching it. Again, you wouldn't have the same kind of influence in a game um, because there's meant to be no coaching. You know, you're on the sideline and the girls are playing. So it's a definitely a different dynamic where you're just trying to give them the skill sets that they can make the decisions themselves on the court. And, you know, that I think will help any player's so even those guys are all 5v5 players as well with, with Ireland. They were 3v3 and I think the skill set you learn from 3v3 can definitely improve your 5v5 game as well. So as I said, I'm a big, you can hear it in my voice, I'm a big fan of 3v3. I'd encourage anyone to play it for fun or even to improve your 5v5 game. Um, it just improves your decision making, your quickness. And it's just like you said, if you get to those levels where you know you have men's and women's, it's just a whole kind of atmosphere around it and the culture around it is something that could really, really be a lot of fun as well. Well, one of the great joys I, I have with working with, with Red FM and the Big Red Bench is I get to interview people like you, Niamh, who are so passionate about what they do and their sport and that I hope anyone that listens to this interview who's on the fence maybe about trying out basketball or a young girl that wants to maybe try it out or even go on to become a coach, that they listen to people like you because it's it's lovely to hear such passion with all your experience, with everything you've given the game that you're giving back now as a coach. Um, it Look, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I hope we get a chance to speak later on in the year again uh, about whatever might be coming up with the international scene and look from everybody here on the big bed wrench big red bench con- continued success <laughs> with Father Matthews as a coach and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon yeah I appreciate it thanks a million to Jara and thanks a million to the big red bench for promoting women's sports we need all the voices out there so I really appreciate it thanks a million the big red bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Jerry Wallace's Cork Minor Camogie squad begin their Tesco All-Ireland Minor Camogie campaign with a tough trip away to Galway this weekend I spoke to the Cork manager ahead of his side's important match Right then, it may actually just be February but already uh, we are talking about uh, Camogie and we are talking about Camogie Championship and that's because the Camogie Association's Minor Championship starts on the 6th of February with a, a number of group games and including in that in Group 2 are Cork who will be travelling to Loch Grey to take on Galway and I'm delighted to be joined on the line once again. Seems like only yesterday we were talking to him but we're back for a new championship all over again and that is the Cork Minor Manager, Jerry Wallace. Jerry, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. 
uh, nice to talk to Jor and nice to, to, to let you know how we're getting on and stuff. Um, yeah, it only seems like, <laughs> I don't know, two, even two years ago that I was talking to this, this time involved with these Cork Minor Camogies is flying, but his, and the championships seem to come around very quickly, like, and I suppose the years are turning over fast too. Yeah, but we're we're back again, Jor. Uh, we're out on the sixth against Galway down in Lockray. Normally that fixture would be played in Gort. Mm-hmm. But um, I see Galway, or like ourselves, I suppose, they're looking for an advantage and uh, they're taking us up the road an extra 30 minutes on Sunday week for the match, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's far from easy. It's, it's Look, you're, you're, you've got Dublin after that and look, it's not an easy group. But the structure of the competition this year allows you, like the, the three group winners, got, uh, two of the three group winners got through to the semi-finals. One of the group winners will join the three runners up in the quarter-finalists. Now, we're not going to be defeatist about it, but if there was to be a slip-up, Jerry, you do get a, like you do get a second chance. You do still have an option of maybe making the knockout stages. But knowing you and knowing the minor panel that you put together, you're not thinking like that. Um, look, we're in the race here at the moment, and I suppose other management teams in Cork you know, in other in other codes and in, in the Camogie, they're preparing along and they have a national league and they have other competitions to look at before they come into their championship. We're right in the race right now. I, I put I put that to our players and to our management. We're in the race so they we, we can only get prepared for the race right now. So like our All Ireland final really is up in Galway mm. and Sunday week. We need to come home over that with a draw or even a you know, um even if we are out in, in a in a situation that's negative, we need to be you know not being beaten too well because you know we have to play Dublin the following week and this could come down to scoring differences and scoring bars and averages and stuff again. But there is little, there is very little uh, wiggle room this year in the championship for us. We're in with two counties that are doing massive work as well at underage and like you take Galway beat us in the All Ireland Senior Final last year, made the All Ireland Minor Semi Final last year. Dublin, we beat them in an All-Ireland semi-final last year. So really, there's very little between us, very little wiggle room there, as I said. And I suppose going up on Sunday week, we've prepared to the best of our abilities. We have a great group of players, great management team. We've had fabulous support from the two universities in Cork, um, with Christy Connery, Keith Ricken, and Brendan O'Driscoll out there in MUT, John Granger, and he's facilities agreements with both the Maradike and Lock Rovers out on the, the Western Road there. Uh, like we've been able to play games against the college teams which have all helped us and look, we're just looking forward to it now, Ger, and we're, 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 we're looking to go forward and represent Cork do the very best we can in the day against Galway. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, the the championship structure because it's come around so quickly, and you're first out of the traps, basically. Um, you know, there's there is very little wiggle room for her, as you mentioned. But how happy are you, first of all, with your preparations? And then talk to me about this minor panel because it is a wide ranging minor panel. You got players from from Castle Martyr to Kilbree in West Cork, and from Castle Lines to uh, to Ballygarvan and 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 the Bars, and there's so many different clubs organised. But how have you and your management team? How have the preparations gone, um, especially over the last couple of weeks in the build-up to what's a huge game in Galway? Yeah, we, well, Jerry, I suppose we cast the net out at the end of November through the county secretary and through the support with the support of the county board. We we did trials, so we got in a massive amount of girls. There was about 134 girls came in from the clubs in relation to the under 18. They're all under 18, and like we started trialing, we set up three teams. And we used the, the three teams and matches against each other, against college teams. So we cast the net wide and far. And we also then had the players that were available from the under-16 team that won in All-Ireland and last year's minor team that lost the All-Ireland. We were able to bring some of them players forward again. So like we spent the month of the last few weeks of November and all of December trialling, I suppose. But we really got to work in January then because we got the panel down to our, our, our group of 30, 30-ish. And we got to work, so we did nice and diligently, and we've been working along brilliantly. Like, I have great people involved with me, Ger. Like, Mike Boland has been with me from day one, which is five years ago now, and Mike is in charge. He'd be the lead coach there. Sonia Walsh, then, is doing our fitness work and working with the team. Sonia represents the Glen, and like, she's doing great, great work for us. Then, like, along with her, then, we have Orla Hallahan there from from Castle Lines and Orla like has been hands on she has everything in, ready for us when we arrive at the venues and the evening times from the bids to making sure that the bottles and everything are all available for the girls that they need for the water and stuff um, 
And then like we've Ali Halligan Hallahan then from 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 Ballygarvan and Ali Ali's a shoot operator like and you know he's got good comments to make and he's got a wise old head on him there like and he's around Camogie and Cork a long time having been involved back two years with the senior inter county teams as well and management. And I suppose Brendan O'Driscoll has been a great addition too to the group. Like Brendan is out there in M- MTU and he's a young coach looking to develop his 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 C V and to come forward and he has been a great assistant and he'll be even greater now going forward after we're you know later in the season because we have the under seventeen development squad which we'll be building for next year. So Brendan will be in charge of that. Excellent. So very fortunate. Yeah. And we're very fortunate in as well. We've we've got a we got a day out in UL there and we were had the we had we got a day out with your Cunningham. So like we 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 we've 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 introduced nice people and good people around the group and the players have responded, and yes, Jerry, sure, you are right. The the panel is so wide ranging, but it just reflects the great work that's going on in the clubs, and then through the colleges system as well, the school systems, like the Cork Cork are developing fine players, competitive players, you know, and you know, like they have the right characteristics to represent Cork, I think, like, and to bring the great that good spirit that we're we we renown with Cork all the time, like, so like we're very happy. Like we've done our work there. We've trained on Tuesday nights, Friday evenings, and Sunday mornings. Uh, we've had great support from the county board, and I mean they're difficult enough times financially, so they are for everyone. Because the cost of lights and everything have gone up, and we are very conscious of that, sure. And we are conscious of the demands we put on the board to provide. But they're they're working brilliantly with us. And look, it's onwards and upwards, and we're hoping that a good following of parents and you know next of kin travel to Galway next week because. Like, it will be a tough all day up there, Joe, no matter what happens. It'll be very tough. We got through to an All-Ireland semi-final in 2018 because we drew with Galway up there in a fair, fair, fiery affair up there that day. And, like, they signalled to me and to the rest of my management team and to our group on on uh, Thursday through the release from the from the national organisation, they removed the fixture from Garts up to Lockray. That's a sure sign. They want to put 30 minutes more on us going up the road because they want to win this match as much as we do. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult enough going to Galway, but going an extra 30 minutes when you're when you're in there, as you just said, this is this is <laughs> clearly a Galway team that is uh, like yourselves. It, it, the the margin for error is so thin because there's three really quality uh, minor oh, yeah. teams in there, as you said, and then you look at the other group, Group One: Kilkenny, Clare, and Waterford. Um, and then you've got Tip, Limerick, Wexford and Antrim co- competing in Group 3. Like, I think it sounds like preparation has gone very well for you, which is good to know. And it sounds like the team, you've got a very, very talented panel just looking at some of the players. Can I ask you finally though, Jerry? you've yes, chosen sir. Orla Mullins from the Sarsfields Club as your captain. Why? Oh yeah, Orla. Orla's a great young woman. So she is, she's, um, I've seen Orla for the last say, two or three years now. She's been in and around the panels with us. She's been part of the group. She was part of the team that lost the All-Ireland last year. And I suppose, look, I'm a great believer in supporting the clubs. Like, as the manager of Cork, you must support the uh, the club that wins the county championship in, in, in whatever grade it is. And I think it reflects uh, well on the club that has won at the minor A last year, which was Sarsfield, that, that a representative of their club um, is the captain. And to me, Orla has all the, uh, the the abilities to lead the group. She's per- very personal, and, and she's got a great personality. She's very outgoing. She's well able to, to to communicate with all of the panel that we have involved. Not just all the girls that are popular, but all the girls that might be new to the new to new to the panel. Like I think, Jura going up to Galway next week. I think we have about six girls that never played for Cork at mm-hmm. underage. So, like we found these girls in the trials. So this is all a new experience for them. But it's the likes of Orla Mullins, it's the likes of Orla Cahalan, it's, it's the likes of girls like that will will bring these girls along and that ex- and our experience as a management team then, um, our holistic experiences and our holistic way we coach, that they, in a common sense way, that, like we try to keep the, keep them going and keep the best get the best out of them. But we're delighted with Orla. She's, going, she's a great captain. And I just hope we get a good long season out of it now. And I mean by longer, if we do get there to the end of the journey, that's the last Sunday in March. That's when the minor Camogie Championship is over because that's where they fixed the All-Ireland Final for this year. So like that's why I said earlier, we're in the race now. The finish line is in sight, but like there are serious obstacles right in front of us right now and Galway is the first one. That's it. Well, 
Jerry, uh, you've set it up better than I ever could, as ever. Um, we wish you all the best here on the Big Red Bench, the minor panel, your management team and everybody travelling up to Galway at the weekend. We will follow up with you after the weekend and we will be with you every step of the way. What will hopefully be come in March and all our final appearance for you and for the players. Well, Joe, listen, on behalf of Cork Camogie, on behalf of the minor team and on behalf of everyone involved, look, thanks a million to the Big Red Bench and Red FM for their support. And we let you know how we get on and hopefully we'll be still in the competition. Uh, fighting for our lives next Sunday. Good stuff. So thank you, Joe. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. The Republic of Ireland under 16 women's international squad played two friendlies in Portugal against the host nation recently. I caught up with manager Tom Elms to discuss the squad's progress and how three Cork City players fared in Portugal. Now we are joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by the Republic of Ireland under 16 international women's manager Tom Elms. Tom, you're very welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Jim. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Um, you're just back from a trip to Portugal with the Republic of Ireland Under-16 squad um, where you played two friendlies against the host nation. Um, uh, the results in these kind of things don't really matter. You lost 1-0, you lost 3-1. But can I ask you, from a management point of view, um, what were the real benefits of this trip and the positives that you took out of it? Yeah, well, look, the benefits are we, we get to expose the, the players to um, more challenging environments. Um, it's obviously it's very difficult to to find that here in Ireland. Um, you know, when you, your best players are coming from their local clubs, um, often we try and you know get them in against boys' games. We try and arrange that in, in practice games with ourselves. And um, there's only so much training you can do, and you do you have to expose them to that to that competitive game. So, we'd, previous to Christmas, we'd had games against Northern Ireland and, and Wales, and um, then gone they'd gone really well as as well. And um, no. The, the invite to Portugal came up and, and we knew it would be um, a fantastic opportunity. So all the girls, uh, there was a lot of growing, um, which, which is always good and their eyes are opened a little bit and it kind of just sets us up going forward now. Yeah, and as you said, you're taking an opposition on their home pitch and on their home ground, so the, an environment that they're used to. The, the, actually, even the travelling aspect for a squad like that and the bonding and the building for the future, how important is that? How important is what goes on away from the actual games on the friendlies, the training and just the bonding from a, from a management point of view? Yeah, it's, it's always good um, to have that, that opportunity to bring the players together. and um, You can see every time they come back in, they're always closer. Um, and look, the, the travelling again is, is important that they get used to that. Um, I think the first game uh, was three-one. Uh, it was one-one, and we conceded two goals later on in the game. So you, know, you can look at, at maybe how how they weren't used to that intensity, or how we started to maybe drop off a little bit towards the end when we conceded two goals later on in the game. Um, but then you always look for a good response, and I think once they settled in and um, all sorts of nerves were gone. And, uh, things like that they, there was a great response in the second game it was a lot closer a lot more competitive um, and, and we kind of looked for those positives in performance really rather than results Yeah is that is that a real benefit the fact that you get to play two games rather than one time because as you said you're able to very quickly analyse what might have gone right or gone wrong in the opening game and you give the players an opportunity before they come back rather than just playing one friendly playing those two games gives you a chance to look at everybody in the squad but also correct things that might have gone wrong in the first game yeah, it is. It's very important. Like one of the things we try and do within that space between games is, is give players an opportunity to kind of review and reflect. And obviously, recovering is very important as well with such a short turnaround. But um, that's why we bring extended squads with us to make sure everyone gets the opportunity to play and everyone's fresh. Um, but look, that you know, we're trying to on the sixteen. We're trying to develop their knowledge around their roles and responsibilities within the tasks of the team, and um, that's what we're trying to develop. And when they go into a game. Uh, against Portugal, you know, a really strong opponent, um, and they face new challenges and new obstacles. Um, it's really good for us then to be able to review that, and, and we look back at obviously our principles and, and how we apply them, and what they might need to think about doing differently. And, and that's that's the, the good thing about the job, and that's what's important about what we do with this age group. Um, and you see that then in the in the second game where they've obviously took that learning, they've applied what we're trying to do a little bit differently. And um, we come out with a better performance, and not the result you want, but the performance was a lot better. So we'll, we'll, we'll take that learning and, and, and the new knowledge gained, and we'll, we'll move on to the to the next chapter. 
Indeed, and one of the nice features about this particular squad, um, you've got players from clubs all over the country, from Treaty United, um, even from Donegal, the Donegal Women's League, Piedmont United, but from our point of view, down here in Cork, three Cork players that featured for you, defender Heidi Mackin, and forwards Grace Flanagan and Fianna Bradley. How did those three players um, perform for you over the, your time in Portugal? Really well, I think um, all three of them you know, got their fair share of game time, all three of them are really contribute very, very well um, to, to the squad in general. Like you spoke earlier about how important off-the-pitch stuff is and they're, they're three great, uh, great characters. Um, Heidi's doing very well and she's also involved with the, the under-17 Maroos team as well. Um, and it was it was Fiona's first time in, in with the group and, and she uh, settled in very well. Um, so look, the three of them um, are three you know, fantastic characters, loads of potential and um, they contribute really well. Excellent. And from your own point of view, Tom, what is next now in terms of your schedule? Your schedule, sorry, for the Republic of Ireland under sixteen squad in the months ahead. Yeah, so we we, we prepare now for the UEFA Development Tournament in April, um, where we'll we'll head off to um, Bulgaria, and we'll be playing against Bulgaria, Russia, and Lithuania. So there's three really good games there against different types of opposition. Um, so there'll be new challenges um, and, and another opportunity for the players as well. And so in between that then, we'll, we'll have our training days and we'll, we'll do our best to organise some uh, practice games and so on and, and prepare as best we can and make sure when we do go over, um, you know, we make it as, uh, you know, as easy and as comfortable for the players as we can. Um, the, even just the way you've listed off what needs to be done there before you even get to these games, there's a quite an awful, lot, there's an awful lot of work as an international manager off the pitch and analysis and preparation. Are you enjoying the role? And it's it sounds like something yeah, that yeah. You're, you're 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 very much into. Yeah, I am. Look, it's really good, and I think you know one of the one of the good things is you get to build that that relationship with the clubs themselves. So part of my role now would be to contact the, the coaches of these players and. You know, and have a chat with them, and, and, and just report back on how we feel the player has, has got on, and how the club can can support the player with their development. And, and so many of the clubs are, are great with it. And you, you mentioned the three court players you have, and Paul down there with the with the women's uh, senior team. I know he's he's bringing the likes of Heidi in. I think to train with the seniors one night a week and things like that. So, no, the clubs are, are fantastic to work with, and um, and the coaches that are involved with the with the under 17s national league teams as well. So. Um, you know, we build those relationships, and, and you know, it's a, it's a big joint effort. Like we, we get you know very little contact time with them, so it's so important what they do do with the clubs, and you know, a lot of what's happening is really, really good. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Tom, and uh, here on the Big Red Bench, and we're certainly looking forward to keeping an eye and monitoring uh, the progress of the Republic of Ireland under sixteen squad over the coming months, and hopefully, we can talk to you again before you head off. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Mornabi's bid to win a third consecutive All-Ireland LGFA Senior Club title was denied by Kilcarran Clonburn last weekend. I was in Bert to get all the aftermatch reaction from both camps. Uh, I'm with uh, Cork and Mornabi manager Shane Ronan. Huge disappointment for side chasing their third All-Ireland title in a row. First of all, Shane, can I ask you about your own team and how proud you are of that performance, and not just today, but to get to this stage yet again? Look, I, whatever happened today out there, Joe, we're like, we didn't perform, but that doesn't change the, the pride and, uh, I suppose, the love that I have for that group that's over there, and they're, they're heartbroken now, but we didn't perform today, and we know that, and that's not being disrespectful to Clanburn. I just didn't, didn't we played we I suppose we maybe we hit we uh, we peaked two weeks ago and it's, I suppose it's very hard to judge that in sports sometimes and um, look we're just bitterly disappointed we know we didn't play um, you had chances you had chances one that came back off the crossbar another chance for rushing and or sort of other days they go in it might have been different but you know on all other final days these kind of things can happen the performance isn't there but look the, this fact you were still creating chances just shows what a good team you are yeah look absolutely they kept going to the very end and you know they fought and they fought and they fought it just didn't happen for some players today and that's the way it goes in, in sport like other days those chances would have gone in and we were we were scoring those chances even like we had a chance there to start the second half and like you know Fitzy went to catch and normally you know if the confidence was high she probably would have flicked it over the keeper's head like but they did take a dent in confidence the way we played in the first half we just didn't perform and sometimes you can't switch it on you can't I suppose it was very similar to last 
last year's county final. Yeah. It was quarter by quarter last year. We were kind of waiting for it to happen, and it didn't just didn't happen for us today. And you know, we were just very disappointed. We felt like just in that third quarter, we were getting on top. We just didn't get the scores. They got a free, you know, that we shouldn't have conceded. We, we shouldn't have made the foul just before the water break, and they went two points back up again. And heads were down a bit, and it was just yeah. it's very hard to lift them sometimes, Joe. But look, I as I said, I they're they're an incredible bunch, and I I love them to pieces, and I'm heartbroken for them. Just finally, to to Karen Clan Burn, what this will do. I know you're still heartbroken at the moment, but for this club and what the, what it will do for this club and for that and for Galway football, and we're going to see you back here again, Murnabi, again before the years out, hopefully. Yeah, look, that's it. Like you know, they're a great club. Um, I think it's first Galway season since 1982 to win us. Like that's a, that's an unbelievable length of time for a I suppose a big big county like Galway not to win it. And look, they were very disappointed in 2019. They came today with a great plan. Um, they executed it, and I think that I saw that I saw a quote there last night about, about executing in a game. That's what wins it. They executed their plan, and they did their job. And look, fair play to them. I, I've nothing but respect for them. Lots of good players there. You know, I've met Willie Ward on, on many occasions, and and you know, he's, he's a good football man. And all those players out there, look, they're going to be big players for Galway during the year. We'll probably meet them again. So look, my hats off to them, and I hope they they enjoy it. And you know, and like it's it's a special special occasion for any club. I'm sure they'll have they'll have a great few days and. Uh, um, look, hats off to them. Fair play to them. Well, on behalf of everybody, the big red bench, thank you and thank Warren Abbey for all your help to share in a fantastic run. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks very much, John. Now, I'm here with a very happy and delighted Olivia Divili from uh, Kilcarran Clan Burn, who just won the first ever All Ireland Senior Club title. First of all, Olivia, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, absolutely delighted. Uh, in so much shock, I can't hardly get my words out. But yeah, <laughs> just over the moon, it's the best day of my life. <laughs> We've been waiting for a long, long time for it to come. Um, this is a fantastic moment for you, but also for your teammates and for this club. What will it do for Kilcarran Clan Burn? Also, what will it do for Galway football? I suppose it's a great, great day for the parish. I'm so lucky to be part of such an amazing team with 15 girls 15 subs but not only that like the parish the support from not only our own club but from all over Galway the well wishes the, the, the flags the the support the the sponsorship everything like there's nothing that we could have nothing we asked for we didn't get like there's you know girls travelling up and down from Dublin three times a week to make training sessions there's moms who have soup ready for us every day before our commute back like we there's nothing nothing that we we didn't we couldn't get and um, the support here and you can see yourself it means absolutely everything to the parish we're, we're a small very small rural club in, in North Galway so it means everything to us um, No club has shut down Mornabby's forward line to, this, to the tune of one point from open play in a long long time it was a real team effort today you did what you had to do at your end but your defence and your midfield you must be really proud of their efforts Oh my well. god like our, def- our six defenders our goalkeeper our two midfielders they were just absolutely outstanding and I think it's those girls that allowed us to build on the attack like the, the block down the, you know, I don't know how many lockdowns Sarah Gormley got, Chloe Costello, and they're the things that sometimes go unnoticed in the game. But it really gave us, you know, I think even for even for our goal, it, it came from turning over more Nabby on our own 14-yard line and working it all the way up the pitch. So our defence today were immaculate, but they have been all year, so we kind of expect nothing less from them either. <laughs> and just finally, great celebrations to come. But another All Ireland Championship, perhaps before the end of the calendar year. I know you're not thinking about it now, but you're an established club now. You'll be aiming to do this again as soon as you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. We will, um, but we'll want to build on it. But um, we won't have a think about that now. Maybe in a few months' time. <laughs> Congratulations, and well Thank done. you very much. Thank you. I'm joined here by Chloe Miskell, full forward for the new All Ireland Senior Club Champions, and that's brought a smile to her face already. Karen Clanburn, full forward. Congratulations to you, Chloe. What a day for you, and what a day for the club. Oh yeah, thank God we won that. Now it's great to get over the line. Um, we've had a good few tough matches against Moran Abbey and to get over the line today just means so much. Um, from the opening minute though, the performance of the whole team, especially the backs, I mean you held the two-time All-Ireland champions to very, very few chances, let alone scores. You must have been thrilled to see the effort of your backs uh, down the other side of the pitch. Yeah, we know the threat of Kira, Duran, uh, Laura Fitzgerald off the front. And we knew today we had to have them uh, quiet to get over the line and put in a team performance. And yeah, the backs are outstanding. Um, so yeah, and the forwards weren't too bad either because you got some. You, you had to earn every single score you got today. But I was really impressed with the way he just kept going throughout the four quarters. It was full on, big press, and you never let up. Yeah, we knew coming here today that we couldn't let one quarter slip from us or we'd be in trouble. We played Glencar Manahamsel earlier in the Connacht Championship and we'd one bad start. And if there was a better, if they were a better team, we would have been in trouble. But thank God, yeah, uh, we knew today we had to put in the performance in the 
four quarters. Thank God we did. And just finally, some serious celebrations now tonight and over the next few days. Oh yeah, definitely. Two years ago when we lost to Moyne Abbey, um, the celebrations were unbelievable and we lost. Even the power went in the village in. But yeah, no, I can't imagine what the celebrations are going to be like now for the next week. Well, listen, enjoy them and well done to you. Uh, thanks. Okay. I'm here with Willie Ward, the winning All-Ireland Club uh, manager of Kilcarran Town Bird. A very proud day for you. And first of all, congratulations from everybody in Cork. A deserving victory. How proud are you of this group of players? Oh, massively proud of them. Massively proud of them. It is a massive day for us uh, today, you know, and we're a very much a family team, team and a team of families, you know, and yeah. loads of sisters and cousins and all of that, you know, a very tight-knit group. And Yeah, we're massively proud of them all. And of our selectors, an awful lot of us have daughters there in the team. And it's for, you know, for all of them, you know, like we have three noons playing, their, their dad is selector, trainer, and their mother secretary, you know, and, and our Sam's, myself and my son are, are involved in management and my wife is the, is, the, is, the, is the registrar you know so that's the way it is with us every family is doing something uh, for, for them for the team you know so yeah it's just a massive day for us um, It took a lot for Moran Abbey to come back from losing an All-Ireland and winning one you've done the same now after 2019 how much of a factor was that or was it any factor this week? Well I think you have to learn first of all what you have to come up against you know you know, you don't know how to play Moran Abbey when you do play them and we had to play them three times before we learned how to play them you know so uh, I mean we were close last year and we were close a few times alright you know so on any day when you're playing a, a, a team like them you know that have the tradition and the history and the players you're always going to be up against it you know so maybe when you get one you'll be happy if it's the right one you know and that's the way you know it is today but you fully deserved it Willie you were brilliant from the first minute and I was just saying to a couple of your players very few teams shut down Moran Abbey to a point from open play in any game in any stage you must be thrilled with the win but your defence and the way you set up and the way you executed was superb yeah yeah well it, our, our defence really has been excellent all year long and you know people have been saying you know we've been playing nobody but we've still been shutting out everybody yeah. like we even shut out Claire Galway in the county final completely for a minutes, you know, and as well. And Donna Donna, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right, you know. So they have been building, they have been doing that, you know. We have been, we have been doing that consistently enough all the time. And now, uh, in fairness, more Abbey are a different test. They have a, they have an awful lot more great players that we have to deal with, you know. But most was well flagged what we had to do coming into the match you know yeah. we knew the main threats were and we knew what we had to stop and we we, we, we we did that you know we did that pretty well for most of the game pretty well is very true and understated listen congratulations to you Willie hopefully this will be a big boost to your club and to Galway ladies football and we'll see you again soon thanks a million Ger. thank you thank you well the big red bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Wendy Keenan is back for another look at all the recent Munster women's rugby action a Munster under 18 league final Ireland's magnificent success at the HSBC Women's World Rugby Sevens and upcoming youth and adult women's cup draws Now it has been another busy week for Munster women's rugby and I'm delighted to be joined yet again by the chairperson of Munster women's rugby Wendy Keenan Wendy you're very welcome back Thank you very much and thanks very much for the invite back on Jeff. Yes, we got a good reaction to your uh, your your first interview the last day. A lot of interest in Munster Women's Rugby, which is great to see. We've a lot to get through for um, things that have happened over the last seven days, but we need to start on the international scene and the fact that the Irish women's played so superbly in the HSC Women's rug- Rugby r- Rugby Sevens in Seville. Um, first of all, the significance of their performances and their results, and what it means, I think, for Irish women's rugby. Oh, I think there wasn't uh, there wasn't a player in the country that probably wasn't work, watching that final yesterday evening at seven seven pm, and what a cracker against uh, Australia! Um, I mean, very unlucky, really, uh, not to win it outright, but uh, a superb performance for them. You know, coming from fifth in the previous tournament, um, to win their silver medal yesterday, and as I said, like unlucky not to you know to consider try really in in the dying minutes of the game. They had a superb win over England in the semi finals and. I suppose a special mention for uh, Munster's Amy Lee uh, Murphy Crow. She was the top try scorer of the tournament with nine tries, and she was a member actually of our uh, Interpro winning squad earlier on in the season um, with Munster. Yes, it is excellent. I, I caught some of the highlights of that fantastic uh, performance from the Irish uh, the Irish team. Bevan Parsons, um, I've never seen anybody break with the ball in her, his or her hand with such pace and such power. This is potentially a, wor- a world star in the making. Oh, absolutely. I suppose you know, Bevan has been 
you know, in the limelight for for a number of years now since she was underage playing, you know, I mean, in the interprovincials. And, you know, she's special talent, ball in hand. She is very difficult to stop. Um, and it is nearly a guaranteed try score with, with, with the ball in hand. So superb talent and, and, and a lovely player to watch. What does success like this mean, Wendy, in terms of the exposure on television and on social media and across all the social media and the, the newspapers and the websites? Something like this is hugely important for Irish women's rugby. It's a positive story which was badly needed at international level and it shows what's possible with the right players and with the right setup. Absolutely. I suppose I mentioned last week about participation and really participation is our goal coming out of COVID uh, you know, and the lockdown that we've been in. So the more the girls can see the opportunities that are available to them, you know, whether it be sevens, fifteens, it encourages them to go out and join their local club and participate, uh, and to to have these role models. You know, winning a silver medal um, is just fantastic, and um, you know, it's it's a platform that they can only get better from. Um, and a lot of those players have been playing in the interpros this season, so they've been playing fifteens and seven and sevens. Um, so that will probably continue for another while yes but it's definitely a motivating factor for the young girls watching those players It certainly will Now closer to home uh, a big weekend at under 18 level in Munster when the first when the Munster League final took place in Formoy Showgrounds between Ballina, Killaloo and Clonakilty RFC and it was a fantastic win for Ballina So Ballina, Killaloo came out on top um, I suppose the, the scoreline didn't reflect I suppose the match it was 39 um, seven um, at the whistle, but a superb exhibition by two very talented teams. Um, so Colon Kilty had a fabulous performance. They were a very young squad, and they were very unlucky to lose two key players in the first half. They're they're nine and they're seven. Where Balena Kilalu are their experienced team. They've been together for a number of years, and they mar- narrowly missed out actually two years ago uh, on a trophy. So I'm sure that was a motivating factor for them on um, Saturday for such a strong performance. They're very strong, hard-hitting backs and Grace Carney, the coach, would be immensely proud of her team and the performance they had on the day. And it was just to highlight that it was a very intense running game, both teams showing excellent offloading skills and that just resulted in the first line-out coming 10 minutes into the second half. So um, so we have to mention Tova McMahon for Balanakalilu, really a a fair match performance. She stood out, but just to mention a few key players, um, you know, once they're featured to these girls, Balnakalu will be stepping into the senior senior setup in the next twelve months. So you've Emily Byrne playing twelve, Karen O'Mahony at eight, six it was Robin McKenna and nine Rebecca Rogers. Tom Kilty, as I mentioned, are a young team, so the players to watch there I think they'll have another year at under eighteen and they'll have learned from that match on Saturday. With Kate Nolan, Maeve Dowling, Megan O'Callaghan and Tara Fleming scoring a wonderful try from her position on the wing. Yes, and I'm glad you brought up Clonakilty because I'm a Clonakilty man myself and I had a keen interest in seeing how this was going to go. And that squad that you're talking about, most of them, uh, when you're actually 16, there's a, the majority of that squad is going to be around for the next two years. But it was a, a fantastic milestone in their development to get to the final. But look, congratulations to Ballina Kinaloo, a first ever Munster League final for them at under 18. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the first, I believe it's the first trophy of the club. Um, the president mentioned to me at the weekend. So they are absolutely over the moon. Um, with that, um, with that performance, you have uh, Maeve Oak there from the Irish squad leaving a message for them on social media, congratulating them because she would have come out through Ballina Killaloo herself before, you know, uh, before playing with Munster early on this year, and then moving to Dublin to play in Dublin, and, and is now an Irish player. Excellent stuff. Right from the under 18s to the senior AIL level, and you wanted to mention Ballin Collig. Yeah, Ballincollig had a superb win over Cup 22-10 and it's their third win um, in a row, two away um, on Saturday. So they'll be delighted with their performance today. And I suppose just to mention that, you know, Fides has moved from, you know, her experience coaching role with the UL Bohemians to Ballincollig and she's really doing excellent work with their players. It's their first year playing um, in the AIL. They'll have a, a tough game against the Tonians on the 12th of February, but a place in the final will await them if they do um, overtake the Setonians on the day. So it's, um, they've already defeated Setonians 14-13, but it was a very tight match, so it'll be an, an exciting match there in two weeks. And they're doing exceptional work um, as a club at all age grades to grow the game, 
to support this AIL team so they understand um, I suppose they're trying to build a sustainable club for the future so they're doing huge work at 14s 16s 18s into the into their senior players and also at their mini so Dennis Stevenson their director of rugby is doing an awful lot of work in the background there Brilliant stuff and great to see Ballancolly because I'm, I'm aware of the work they've been doing on and off the, the pitch there in recent times and it's fantastic to see that it's bearing fruit on the pitch. Finally tonight, the next week is a very, very important one for Munster Women's Rugby with the launch of the Schoolgirls Junior and Senior Cup competitions. Yes, I'm delighted to say that uh, a little bit later than planned, COVID interrupted our plans, but I'm delighted to say next week we'll be launching our first ever Girls' Cup Um in schools, both at junior and, and senior level. And I suppose from, from a court perspective, we'll be watching out for Bandon um, and their performances, both at the, the junior level and senior. They'll be strong going into that, that competition. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in finals in, at both levels. But it's just wonderful development for the game uh, and wonderful development for all the schools that are doing such hard work to grow their numbers and, and build the game. Indeed, and this is a fantastic move and a, a lot of positivity surrounding Munster Women's Rugby right now, uh, Wendy, and these cup competitions are only going to add to that. Yeah, absolutely. So this week we'll see you know, the start of our Junior Cup competitions. Um, so it's round one. Round one we'll see um, players, or the teams play for home advantage in round two. So exciting times now next weekend and over the coming weeks. Lots of games to look forward to. Um, so yeah, so exciting times. Brilliant, and we will hopefully get the opportunity to highlight not just some of the clubs, but some of the players like you've done this week, every week here on the Big Red Bench Podcast. Wendy Keenan, thank you so much for that update. Lots happening and lots more to look forward to. Thank you very much, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. AFLW expert and coach Mike Curran is back for another weekly look at how the Irish players fared in round four of the Australian Rules Women's Football League. Spoiler alert, it was a good week for the Irish, as Mike's expert analysis explains. Now we're joined for our new weekly slot here on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast by AFLW coach to the stars, Mike Curran. Mike, welcome back. Thanks, man. Great to be back. Yes, and good to have you. And we have a lot to talk about because it's been quite a busy week in the AFLW and Irish players showing up in headlines all over the place. Um, let's start just, I'm going to give a quick rundown on the round four results. And, and they are very quickly the Fremantle um, destroyed Collingwood 38-7 the Giants uh, including Coruscant and Breed Stack beat the Western Bulldogs 43-22 the Adelaide Crows and the Melbourne Demons had a uh, a very really good game which the Crows came out on top 35-21 the Brisbane Lions edged the Geelong Cats by 2 points 27-25 Carlton lost to North Melbourne 51-21 and the Gold Coast Suns uh, created a bit of history in their second win in a row for the first time in that uh, in their short history, winning 39-34 over, the, over Richmond. And the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle is due to start at 10 past 8 on Tuesday morning Irish time. But we start with one Irish player that has hit the headlines for her performance this past week, Mike, and that's Anya Teague. Why is that? Anya was unbelievable this weekend, Jerry. It was a big weekend for the Irish, as you said, with 10 of the 14 Irish players in action. They were involved in five of the six games at the weekend, but the performance from the round has to be on your tie for Fremantle Dockers, playing in only her fourth game, her first time ever playing in defence, a completely new role for her, and she dominated back there. Um, obviously, a tactical game plan from Fremantle coach um, Trent Cooper, and it worked to treat. She was one of the best on ground. Uh, she had 14 disposables, 12 intercepts, which means she really just chopped off all the attacks from Collingwood and shut them down. And she was on one of the key marquee players in the game in Sabrina Frederick from Collingwood and kept her goal. So absolutely phenomenal and an amazing achievement for just her fourth game and to play in a role that she'd never played before makes it all the better. And even though I mispronounced her surname, Mike, it sounds like she's getting better and better um, with each game and that a long uh, a run of games now without injuries will do her the world of good. Absolutely, sure. And I, I look at I think the Aussies are having fun with both her first game and her starting, so I don't think there's any issue there. But yeah, look, at, you've got to be the live Veronia. This is her third year in Australia, but she only got to debut this year after two ACLs in a row. Uh, I was working with Anya personally here in Ireland back in 2019, all through the summer, getting her ready for that first season. She prepared so well, trained so hard, then went over there and had the heartbreak of suffering an ACL injury in the practice match before the season even began. Uh, uh, stayed out there, rehabbed, similar story the following year, missed another season but just, she's a great girl, you know, she's uh, really diligent, she stayed there, did her work 
very positive attitude and pay dividends now. And as you can see, she's absolutely flying it. Already established as one of the most versatile players in the competition, without doubt. She plays up forward, she rocks, and now she's a star defender playing there for the first time. So the girl can do anything. Excellent stuff. We move on to another Irish uh, player, Aileen Gilroy. North Melbourne having a huge win over Carlton Blues. Why was Aileen Gilroy's name so prominent, Mike? Uh, Aileen is prominent in almost every game at this stage. You know, she's become a, a permanent fix on that half-back line. She's known for her strong running attack and big kicks off that half-back position. She's well-established in the Kangaroos team. She was brilliant again at the weekend. She had 15 disposals, 13 of those kicks that she's now famous for. And I know we, we've christened it a magic minute there ourselves this week, but she had, I suppose this summarises the contribution she made to the game. In the space of one minute, she made a fantastic burst through the middle of the field, did a 1-2 and actually got a score. It was, it was behind and registered on the scoreboard, wasn't far off a goal. And then when the ball came down the other end, at a time when the game was still in the balance, Carson and North were both about three goals each at that stage. She did a diving smother, or what we know it here, a block that prevented a certain goal. And that really just summed up how valuable she is to Kangaroos. And I know the Kangaroo coaches rate her as probably the best Irish player in AFLW. And I don't think they're too far wrong at the minute. Wow, that's high praise indeed. Um, another Irish player, unfortunately, on the receiving end of a big defeat by Fremantle was Collingwood Sarah Rowe. She's a player I love watching um, uh, any chance I get. But uh, she played superbly for her team, but they came up short. Sarah was brilliant. She's such an electric player. Again, on a losing team, she actually had an all-time record for an Irish player in terms of 24 disposals in a game. Uh, she had uh, six marks, three tackles. She worked tirelessly throughout the game, as she does every game. She actually was our um, AFLW Irish Player of the Year for round um, four, and she's obviously the, the Irish Player of the Year overall from, from 2022 seasons ago. So Sarah's brilliant. She's having a fantastic season, uh, despite dislocating a finger the previous week against her teammate and countmate, Rachel Kern. She didn't show any of the ill benefits of that for sure, and it's fantastic to see her doing so well for the Magpies. It certainly is. And another player who's doing very well, but it was also on the receiving end of a disappointing loss, um, was Sinead Goldrick um, for Melbourne against the Adelaide Crows. Definitely. And you can really see, you know, when a player stands out in a loss, you can really see their value and how hard they're working and the contribution they're making. And Sinead has been phenomenal for Melbourne all through, but without doubt, round four was her best AFLW game so far. Off half back there again. She 12 disposals, eight kicks, Seven tackles. That's an incredible tackle count. Huge work rate from Sinead. And I think there's a clip where it shows her going after two players, Aaron Phillips and Ebony Marinoff, in, in one play and winning a free for a tackle. And they're two of the biggest players in the game. So Sinead Goldrick is not phased. She's electric off half back. She's fast. She's brilliant at reading the game. Uh, sometimes the stats don't reflect her actual play on the field, but she is really important to that Melbourne team. It was a big loss for them. It was a battle of two teams mm. that were previously undefeated. But no doubt Melbourne will be around this business end of the season and hopefully we'll see a lot more of Sinead. Hopefully, indeed. Now, uh, a very busy week for the Brisbane Lions and for Orla O'Dwyer, a very positive week. Hugely positive for Orla. Two games in five days and two wins for Orla. Uh, played on Tuesday, played again at the weekend on Saturday. Absolutely phenomenal athletes, as we know. She received AFLW coaches votes in both those games, which is a phenomenal achievement. And that, that goes for the overall best player in the league run by the AFL Coaches Association. Um, in this particular game, she scored her first goal of the year uh, as well, uh, picking up 14 disposals. So Orla is phenomenal. Um, she's been the most valuable player for the Brisbane Lions across two of the four rounds so far. Obviously, she won a premiership last year, becoming the second player ever to win an AFLW premiership with Brisbane Lions. And since she's moved into the centre from her initial forward role, her athleticism has really come to the fore and it's an absolute joy to watch her in action. And she's getting better and better every game, even if she plays two games in a week. No, no stopping her. Yeah, there, it doesn't seem to be what a player and what a season she's having and hopefully she can maintain that high, consistent level that she's shown already in four rounds. We'll finish up our roundup, Mike, with good news for the Giants and for uh, Breedstack and Cora Staunton. Yeah, it was a great win for the Giants, their second win of the season. They were playing up in Sydney in, in Henson. It was a big day, a big occasion. Uh, it was a game that they really ground out a win on over Western Bulldogs. You know, a bit of another another tactical masterstroke. If we thought moving on your tie to the defence was a masterstroke for Fremantle, 
Um, Alan McConnell for GWS Giants did the opposite. He moved two defenders up to the forward due to a lack of player availability up there. And he had Nicola Barr, who scored, who played 33 games, never scored before. She scored three goals. Louise Stevenson scored two. And of course, our own correspondent scored one to bring her total for the year to six goals. And she's hugely invaluable to that GWI Giants forward line. And again, on the days that the Giants are struggling, we see her working right to the end. And it was a great day out for Breed Stack as well. Uh, obviously, there's some great pictures of her mm. from the round uh, with Ogie on her shoulders. She had nine disposals, eight kicks, um, worked really hard. And is getting as she grows into the game, she's getting better and better. So fantastic to see her getting more games under her belt because we know how much it means to her. And I think she's going to go out and have a very good season as well. But yeah, fantastic to see the two Irish girls get the win and, and sing the big, big sound at the end for GWS Giants. Indeed it was, and uh, that's about everything we've got from this week's roundup. Just before we finish, as it stands, as we have uh, as we record this podcast, the Adelaide Crows and Fremantle are out in front with maximum points, 16 points from their first four rounds of games. They're quickly followed by Melbourne and North Melbourne and Collingwood on 12. The Brisbane Lions, Gold Coast and the Giants are all on 8. Then you've got Richmond and Carlton on 4, and then the Cats, Bulldogs, West Coast and St Kilda yet to get off the ground, but Bulldogs, Bulldogs sorry, have only played twice, and West Coast and St Kilda didn't play last week because of Health, uh, health and possible COVID concerns. That's an awful lot of information we've managed to cram in there, Mike. It's always exciting, and there's so much happening in the AFLW. Thank you for coming on this week, and we'll be back next week with a, hopefully a lot more positive news of the Irish players down under. Thanks, sir. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.